Your father is pleased to give you a kingdom. That's good news for us. We notice then that God's not an ogre. But the human then, the human tendency, I should say, is to not trust that God wants to give us a kingdom. The human tendency is to try to find fulfillment in created things that are much, much less than God himself. And the way I'll illustrate this is that we want to sit in a dumpster looking for candy wrappers, trying to lick off that little last bit of chocolate that might be on that candy wrapper. But the dumpster is outside of the banquet hall that the father owns, and we have a place at the table. And there's a glorious banquet inside. But instead of saying yes to his way, we try to do it another way. We have trust issues. So we can learn something then from Abraham, who we heard about in our second reading. This old man, Abraham, he left the land that he knew, and he went to a land he never saw before. He couldn't check it out ahead of time on the internet. He couldn't look at pictures of the land. He had to trust completely in God that he would provide for him in this new strange place. So why did he go? He went because God asked him. That's it. And he trusted, and he went. These readings also show us that we human beings have a thirst for God, but we try to quench it with that other stuff. This thirst is limitless because it's only meant for him, and God is the one who is limitless. We were made for him. So no amount of these created things can satisfy. And as we try, we might panic. We might try even harder to accumulate created things. And before we know it, we've started to ingrain a pattern of behavior in ourselves. We started to become even maybe to where we have an addiction for certain things. Where your treasure is, there also will your heart be, the Lord tells us in today's gospel. So what do I treasure most? This is a great opportunity for us to have that examination of conscience. Well, the Christian is supposed to treasure whatever advances the kingdom. The Christian is supposed to prepare to meet the Lord. Not only meeting the Lord at the end of time, not only meeting the Lord at the time of death, but meeting the Lord on a daily basis, in prayer, in the sacraments, the things that truly satisfy. And the good news for us is that God loves the creation that he has made. He is created as a father, and then he even enters into our creation. We call that the incarnation, God taking on human flesh. And we notice then in doing that, the person of Jesus Christ empties himself so that we might have life, so that, so that we're not doomed to eternal death. Why does he do that? Why does God go to so much trouble? Why does God empty himself for us? Well, we became distant from him. God's plan was for us to have eternal communion with him. And then we notice that God's plan really doesn't make sense because it's too much, it's too loving, and it's hard for us to grasp the depth of God's love. Blessed are those servants whom the master finds vigilant on his arrival. Amen, I say to you, he will gird himself, have them recline at table, and proceed to wait on them. The master is going to wait on the servants. Isn't that bizarre? Isn't that strange? That doesn't make sense to us. The whole point of having a master 
hire servants is that those servants might serve the master. But in Jesus' story, in this parable today, the servants are being served by the master. The whole mindset is not one that we're used to on earth. It's otherworldly. It shows that awesomeness of the kingdom that we can't begin to understand. We are truly blessed servants. We are told exactly how to be those blessed servants who end up being served by the master. We're called to be those ones who strive to be the faithful servants of the Lord. It is, in, it is him that we serve and no one else. And then Jesus elaborates in today's gospel. He tells us to give alms. Okay, how much do we give? He tells us the answer to that at the end of the gospel. He says, much is required of the person entrusted with much. And still more is demanded of the person entrusted with more. And of course, this builds on what we, where we left off last week, where the foolish guy had an abundant harvest and he was going to tear down his barns instead of recognizing that everything is gift. We are called to be stewards. We don't really own any of it. It's his. So Jesus tells us to be vigilant. And that is the Christian way. The Christian is called to become closer and closer to the Lord, living the Christian life. But we are tempted to say things like, well, I'll get closer to him when I get older. Or maybe I'll start doing that sort of thing next year. Well, there might not be a next year. That's the greatest lie the evil one was able to convince us of, is that we have tomorrow. But of course, none of us is guaranteed tomorrow. So if we're rejecting him now, we're missing out on that profound joy and that fuller life that he can provide for us now. Not only eternal life, but even today. We're trying to find that happiness and eating out of the dumpster once again. We're called not just to be Catholic Christians on Sunday when it's time for Mass. We're called to bring our life to our work, bring our faith to everything we do, bring it to the softball field, being Catholic with our, with our friends, bringing it to when we decide what to watch on TV and what to reject. The temptation, though, of course, is to compartmentalize, to put our faith in a box, that on Sunday we get that box out and we go to Mass. But our faith is who we are to our core. It's not just part of our lives. It's who we are all the time. So this authentic Christian life, then, is going to require vigilance, because without vigilance, then we begin to backslide. Finally, Jesus says, we are not only to know the master's will, but also to act in accord with it. We are called to be people of action. When others see our actions, there should be no question. This person knows Christ. The only way to bring about the kingdom, then, is for us to do it. It's not someone else's job, it's our job. We have the shared responsibility in the kingdom. I hear these stories about these newbies who get jobs with the life squad, and then they'll They'll show up at a horrible accident where there are people who are injured, a big mess everywhere, and they'll say, somebody should really call the life squad. Oh, wait, that's me. We got to go to work. We got to do our thing. I remember when I was in college delivering ice for my job. Sometimes the customer might be upset, and it, I didn't, really didn't have anything to do with that. I'd say, okay, you can call the salesman, and the salesman would always come and make everything better. But then later on, after a few promotions in the company, I became the salesman, and I remembered heading over to, an, to a customer who was fairly upset with certain things in, the, in, in his service he was receiving, or lack thereof. 
I said, wow, we better call the salesman. Oh, wait, that's me. I got to take care of this. So we enter into these sacred mysteries where the Lord offers us himself as our spiritual nourishment, offers us everything we need, offers us that divine grace so that we can be his faithful stewards. We can be those people who imitate him and take on that conversion of heart to be more and more like his sacred heart.